Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 57 to Ghostbusters. Brady, how was that po'boy you just ate? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that says it all. What yeah, kind fried, was it? Uh, fried catfish. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty I love good. fried catfish. Is that? That's, that's like a southern thing, right? It's a very boy? southern thing, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, catfish is essentially like a, um, I mean, you can catch it in a lot of different places, but I think only the people in the south eat it because it's some sort of like uh, bottom feeding fish, I think is what they call it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, we don't care. Well, we found ways to make it very tasty, and I love catfish either blackened, grilled, or fried. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, especially on a on a po' boy. On so, a po' boy, yeah. Po' boy with uh, fries and a Barks root beer and way too much salt. Oh, son, that sounds like good stuff. So for those of you who might not know it, a po' boy is is short for like I think it's like a colloquialism for poor boy. I think because it was made on stale French bread <gasps> is the way the sandwich is made. So I've always wondered that. Yeah, Cajuns just put things on it like fried catfish, fried oysters, fried shrimp, and uh, yeah, I saw you just scarfing one down here before oh, we yeah. started the show. Not even done. Um, <laughs> no, there's a really good restaurant here in, in town in Baton Rouge called Po' Boy Lloyd's. Yes, po Boy a Lloyd's. famous place. Yeah, I think and, Barack um, Obama ate there when yeah, he was in town. Yeah, he was there a couple years ago mm-hmm. or last year or something like that and went in and, uh, you know, gave it a lot of uh, exposure. So Po' Boy Lord, excuse me, Lord Po' Boy, Po' Boy Lloyd's is like our tavern on the green, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, well, hey, you ready to go ahead and get into minute number 57? Let's do it. All right. Now, in the previous minute, we saw Peter Vankman, who was granted access to Dana Barrett's apartment, and upon entering, noticed that something supernatural was going on. Dana slash Zool believes that Vankman is Vince Clortho, the keymaster. At minute number 57, Dana slash Zool is attempting to bed who she believes to be the keymaster. As she lifts herself off the bed and attempts to kiss Vankman, he says, I guess the roses worked, huh? Dana slash Zool says, take me now, sub-creature. At 5708, Peter Vankman tells Dana slash Zool, we never talk anymore, before being pulled onto the de- bed by Dana slash Zool. At 5712, Dana slash Zool throws Vankman to the bed and mounts him. He tells her, easy, and tells her that he makes a rule never to get involved with possessed people. At 5719, Dana slash Zool plants a kiss on Vankman. He says that it's really more of a guideline than a rule. Peter flips Dana slash Zool over, and she tells him that she wants him inside of her. At 5728, Vankman tells her, uh, go ahead, no, I can't, and tells her that it sounds like she has at least two people in there already, and that it might be a little crowded. Vankman asks her to stop trying to upset and disturb Dr. Vinkman and just relax. Danish slash Zool complies and lays back on the bed. At 5842, Vinkman gets Danish slash Zool to cross her arms over her chest and tells her that he what he would really like to do is to talk to Dana. At 5750, Zool says there is no Dana, only Zool. At 5754, Vinkman says, oh, Zulio, you nut. Now come on and ask again to speak to Dana. At 5758, Vinkman again tells her to relax and that he wants to talk to Zana. Dana. So a lot of repetition there of Peter Vinkman just saying like, hey, relax. I want to talk to Dana. I want to talk to Dana. Yeah, it's it's kind of a redundant minute. Yeah, uh, there's and, uh, tons of improv in this minute. Tons yeah. of improv in this minute. Uh, I went back and read the shooting script for this and it's all the stuff is pretty much there, but it's just kind of like, this seems like it was supposed to happen in about a 10 second time span and... You know, uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray are throwing each other around on the bed. Just it seems yeah. like kind of having a good time, it just de- kind of goofing around. It definitely seems like they had multiple cameras running. Yeah, and we're just like, all right, guys, go get it. And at some points in the minute and the following minutes, you can tell that she's about to lose it, and uh, he kind of yeah. shows signs of it too. I think every time she starts to laugh, 
she kind of just like tries to bite him. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that's her way out of doing it. But it's, it's uh, pretty obvious. Yeah, it's pretty funny too. So did you notice that the outside, the window changed from day to night a couple times? No. It starts off as night and then to kind of get a glimpse of it for a second and it turns into day. And then by the time we have like the um, uh, a shot of the room and with the uh, the the window in the background, it's turned back to night. I again. wonder if that's maybe just like lighting, uh, some of the lighting. I think they it probably is because that would be a big undertaking for mm-hmm. them to move the facade outside of the windows. Yeah, and there's a lot of tricky staging they do in this. In the previous minute, uh, he was walking into the bedroom, and there's a mirror there, and you can tell that it's kind of tilted upwards and at a very strange slant uh, as to not get the camera yeah. crew in it. And they you know don't go past it when the camera's uh, you know dolling across the room. So. But did you notice the the uh, uh, phone that uh, Dana has on her bedside table? No. What about him? So she has. It's the same phone that in a, f- a few minutes he's going to use to call Egon uh, when Vince Clortho is over there at the um, at the at the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters headquarters. He's yeah. telling her about the uh, telling Egon about the Thorazine and everything. Well, it's called a donut phone, and it's interesting because it's a very 1980s phone. The bottom of the phone is like the bottom of a semicircle. The top of the phone that you talk on the receiver is like another semicircle. When you put them together, it looks like almost like a donut or like a full circle there. Okay. So uh, I went through uh, the internet trying to figure out what's going on with this phone, and it's it was made by Western Electric Sculptura and was produced with both a rotary and a dial pad. You can still buy this kind of phone for $80. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and it comes in like uh, black, blue, like navy, but hers is white. And it shows up again in, in a minute or two, but it's, it's, it's 80s as, as uh, 80s AF, I guess as the yeah. kids would say these yeah. days. So, yeah, um, but uh, so, yeah, lots of improv here. What do you think a sub-creature is? I don't know. Yeah. We'll go into it. Oh, I don't know either. There's very little data on what a subcreature actually is. I was assuming that a subcreature is probably like a human being. So I'm doubting that, even though I have it on my notes here, that she knows or thinks that this is uh, Vince Clortho, the key master. The human beings would be some sort of subcreature that's below Gozer in the ruling class of creature. Or that. Or yeah. That. So I'm thinking maybe when she says, Take me now, subcreature, she just kind of was like, you know, you're disgusting and filthy, but I want you, you know, like that kind of thing. That like makes maybe Zul has a thing for subcreatures. I don't know. <laughs> but Well, Peter Vinkman would qualify. Yeah, he's definitely a subcreature. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that? I noticed that uh So Bill Murray, you can tell whenever he's doing his comedic stuff in in his movies, uh, that he's in most cases having a hard time taking it seriously. Like you can see that he's either about to crack up or um, maybe just really enjoying it because it is comedy. But whenever you see him in his dramatic stuff, it's pretty much flawless through and through. I'm wondering if Bill Murray prefers dramatic performances. And remember, Do you mean he takes dramatic more, drama more seriously yeah, than he or, does comedy? Or he's just that good of an actor. Yeah. Uh, but you got to remember, like he really pioneered Razor's Edge, which was very early on in his career. And mm-hmm. now that it's later on in his career, and I mean, this guy can call whatever shots he wants. Um, look what he's been doing over the last you know 10 15 years yeah he seems to be the kind of guy who's only attracted to projects that he finds interesting which any artist would love to be in that position where they can just you know everybody's coming to them and they can pick what they feel is would be yeah. fun and interesting if they want to go you know uh, hang out with woody harrelson in atlanta and shoot zombie land over a weekend and kind of riff on their own career you know he can do that and just be okay with doing that and then working with wes anderson two months later for on like moonrise kingdom or something like that yeah so he definitely um he is. He has his pick of of the apple orchard. I don't even know if that's a saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. He's got his pick of the orchard. He goes out there and selects his own projects. But I think with something like Ghostbusters, again, it shows that like he was more interested in being able to improv and kind of riff on the material and probably be able to play everybody else there on the set. I think that's where his yeah. interest in the project came from. So, 
Uh, I think whenever he's pulled down onto the bed by Dana, it's a little hokey. It seems like a little out of place in this movie. It's funny, but um, I don't know. It just always struck me as a little like uh, some out of like a slapstick movie, which yeah. I, I don't really consider Ghostbusters slapstick. It it is kind of a silly scene. It, it, it I feel like when I'm watching the scene, like it was really Sigourney Weaver, kind of like you know, and Dan and Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, uh, you know, playing off of each other and just having a good time, you know, and being like, oh, what's our improv here? But instead of our improv being like feeding lines to each other, it's like one or the other will flip the other person over on the bed, you know, or pull the other yeah. person down on top of More them. More physical, and, yeah. Um, so the score here in the scene uh, is a little weird. It feels like almost a twisted version on Dana's theme from the movie mm-hmm. by Elmer uh, Bernstein, and uh, it's 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 interesting because it's kind of a spooky version on the love theme that we had earlier outside. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it works really, really well. Yeah. All right, folks. So that's pretty much everything that we have for minute number fifty-seven. Again, like you said, there's a lot of improv in this and a lot of like jokiness, hoking, you know, hoagie joking around, and but not a lot of lore or anything like that. It's more of a just improv, funny moment. But all right, Brady, we got anything else? That's it for me. Okay, great. So like we said, next week, Crystal Beth special guest, folks. Join us tomorrow for minute number fifty-eight. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady, and we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.